Hey, our speaker today is Dave. I've known Dave for a couple of years, and he's a, a solid man in, in recovery. And uh, he hosts the uh, the music hour, which is an hour after this meeting, uh, same bat channel. And uh, the, the man knows his stuff about music, and he knows his stuff about getting healthy. And with that, I'll give you my friend Dave. Thanks, Howard. That's not too much of uh, something to live up to yet. Yeah, it's pretty good attributes, I think, for anyone. Thanks for that, Howard. Cheers. And yeah, um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. I wasn't kind of preparing what I could say. You know, to be honest, um, you know, um, I, I'm okay with that. There, I'm just acknowledging that there. Um, but I'm going to try and not labour too much on what people term as probably in traditional more so a drunkologue, you know, because I, I know I don't believe that most people are went through the same kind of things with different shades of colours or feelings-wise. Um, you know, I'd rather, and I think most of the time I do, I'd rather um, explain um, the things that I've done in recovery and hopefully, hopefully, if it doesn't, that's fine, hopefully give people a bit of hope. Um, that's my purpose, like, when I'm, when I'm sharing, hopefully, but if not, you know, people might relate to it. You know, um, I I do come from a family that um, used, or you could tell, abused alcohol. You know, my mum, I've seen a pickle with a drink and I felt kind of a real cringe when I remember vividly um, a one scenario, a one um, incident event where some friends came around and she was just pickled with a drink and they were kind of, I wouldn't say sneering, but looking at each other with a look of, not content, but, oh, anyway. Um, and I, I know a mum's uh, mum, uh, my granny, I've seen her pickled with a drink, you know, as well, and my granddad shouting at her, you know. And, and I vividly remember my dad's, my dad's dad, um, my granddad on that side, who I didn't really know that well, the only recollection I have of them is a bottle of rum in a basement uh, floor. I've spoken to my cousin since, and they kind of agree with me that, you know, there was regular parties in my early childhood. Um, and that's that's really the, the memories that we remember of our, you know, um, our, our siblings, you know, around about that time um, on that side. So, but the caveat is my two brothers, they've never ended Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and I don't think they ever will. You know, I believe it was there was something in my personality, my disposition, that led me to the point to address those things within me, and I eventually to address them, I eventually ended up picking up alcohol, and things just took on initially all different colours uh, and uh, <laughs> and feelings, you know, you could say. Um, I had my first drink of alcohol at the age of 15. Um, and around about that time, I got associated with football hooliganism. And and you might recognise my accent, maybe not. <laughs> I'm from Scotland. Um, and I'm I'm proud of that fact there, you know, anyway. That maybe gives you my, my, my kind of inclination of my... my <laughs> anyway, my... Anyway, I could, politics, you could say. Yeah, let's get that word out there, my politics. Yeah, I'm proud of my country, to say the least. Um, so yeah, I got involved in that there, and what it did was it just fed into the, 
acutely low self-esteem that I had about myself that I didn't recognise. And I put myself into situations that were utterly, utterly nuts and self-defeating and self-destructive. I got beaten up badly on quite a few occasions. I've had bricks thrown at my head. I've had bottles. Um, I've been mugged outside a bar and, um, you know, hematoma in my head and all that stuff that goes along with really critical, I would say, low self-esteem. You know, um, I'm sharing these events that maybe give you a little picture about myself. Uh, you know, around about that time as well, uh, there was a... Uh, I've looked up this on Google, you know, what a definition of the difference. There was a, a sexual assault that happened, um, and it would have been a, a rape, you know, when penetration happens. If I hadn't have broken free, if I hadn't used every sinew, every muscle in me to break free, and even talking about it, it's a bizarre, it's, a, it's fucking bizarre. But it, it was, I was kind of lured to a bedroom, and then I was, yeah, whatever, you know, um, Initially, I thought I'm being lured here for something to happen, you know, with another woman, and it wasn't the case. You know, it wasn't the case. So, I. But the thing is, I'm I'm telling you that because um, I kept that to myself. I wasn't in a, a mentally strong enough place to tell anyone about that. You know, um, I was probably feeding into that kind of nobody wants to hear what I've got to say. What who cares? You know, and the hurt that I felt about that there, and the probably trauma that I felt about the beatings that I had, I didn't tell anyone about them. And, it, and it, it was, this probably were traumatic things, traumatic things, but I didn't, I just dealt with them by not telling anyone about them and just getting on with life, you know, as, as, as I thought, you know. So one other thing that I'll tell you about, I peed the bed regularly. I peed the bed regularly. <laughs> I'm laughing like, but it's probably a slight nervous laugh. But um, and that, and that's not to say you end up an alcoholics anonymous because you pee the bed. But for me, that should have been one reason why. No, you need to stop drinking alcohol. But I just did it. You know, I, I didn't know how to handle feelings, and I just did it. Uh, and that was part of my life. I was probably building up lots of things about shame. You know, by not speaking, not opening up. And it just became the norm, a habit. And I like to talk about habits today. That just became a habit of mine's. Um, I'm not telling anyone about that and other things in my life. So, uh, um, I I felt really abandoned by my mum, you know, when I was probably about 17 or 18. So I decided to stay with my dad for two years. And my, and my self-destructive behaviour was just like, off the scale you know, with the football stuff, football violence. And, and I really wasn't violent towards others. That's the thing. I put myself in situations where, you know, I was the, we call it in Scotland, a bampot. <laughs> bampot. Um, anyway, I went back to the, with my mum and my stepdad. And, um, you know, I, I was, you know, I wasn't really happy there either. Like, but any circumstances, I probably, I probably wasn't particularly happy because I think when you're consuming alcohol and drugs to the extent that I did, there really wasn't a, a place where I could really connect between my head and my heart. It was always fucking confusion. It was always bewilderment, isolation, suicide attempt at the age of seventeen. Thankfully, my dad found me. You know, um, didn't tell anyone about that. So, um, fast track all the way through. I could give you some glamorous, exotic locations that I, I went to, but 
There's none. There's none. The only holiday I went to was when I went across to see um, Aberdeen play Real Madrid in Gothenburg, Sweden. And I was drunk most of the time. It's quite sad, but I still get that goosebumps, you know, strangely, you know, when I'm talking about it, because it was a memorable moment. But anyway, but apart from that, no holidays. Uh, yeah. And again, again, that's a kind of that self kind of depriving myself of the joys of life because, you know, there was like no connection to happiness or, or happy feelings even, you know. So, again, fast track forward. I got into Alcoholics Anonymous at the age of 27. Um, <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I've not drank any alcohol. I could use the word sober. I don't know. It's It's kind of... Maybe it is, it's an appropriate word, but I've not drunk any alcohol since then. Um, uh, and what's the reasons that I don't drink alcohol? It's because I just know it's it's going to have the same result. I'm probably going to pee the bed again, but more so I'm depriving myself of the strength that goes along with not drinking. But that again, I've never used the caveat in a share or anywhere like twice, but I'll use it this time again. <laughs> the caveat is, I think, for me anyway, but just for me, strength comes from doing the things that I'm probably afraid of doing. Now, for me, for example, for example, it was like pulling teeth for me going to AA meetings, and I've been to thousands of face-to-face meetings. It was like pulling teeth for me to speak. It really was because my habit had been to play the passive, meek person um, who always kind of looked up to others. And it was kind of convenient to play that role because, oh, oh, hi, Dave, how you doing? Are you okay? And all that fucking condescending bullshit. So, and then as time went on, I realised that doesn't sit right with me. I, I didn't feel comfortable with that. So the empowering, th- empowering thing for me was to practice speaking, practice opening up. And I did that and I got sentences out. I got I managed to articulate myself a lot more than I was able to before because as well, I hear people similar to what I hear in secular. I hear people opening up and sharing stuff. And I think, well, you know, you're doing that. You're sharing about that. And that in that manner, well, I can maybe share as well. Share things that I've wanted to share of recently. So I did that and that was really helpful for me. But again, it's fuck, I can honestly say I was I was a long time years sober and I was still my head was like um and and not the best place. But I just knew me and alcohol is ne- alcohol was never gonna help me. So even for me today, alcohol is not the thing that I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of not being the best Dave. That's what I'm kind of afraid of, if that makes any sense. Um and I'm afraid of being afraid of stuff. So that's why I try to kind of face life as it is. So that's what I did when I first got sober. And, and I did. And even today, I ask myself, what's the reasons I'm doing these things? I can see the benefit of, you know, sharing with people, offloading with people that you can trust. Um, and I think I've done that in a general way across the time that I've been um yeah, associated with life without alcohol. Um, do I do it all the time and perfectly? No, I don't know. Like, no, I um sometimes I get I get I go through phases where I keep things to myself, and then before I know it, I'm like, fuck, I need to offload to somebody. I need to 
you know. Um, so it's become a lot more natural to me today to let things flow out of me. And that's what I'm still I'm aspiring to do and be somebody who's a little bit more spontaneous, you could say, and, and trusting. So going back to my formative years, that's what I did. Um, kept kept sharing. I just knew it was going to be good for me. Um, and me and me and the guys that I was around with at the time we were around about the same age, whatever, late twenties, whatever, early thirties. We did probably with the classic things that they say don't do. We did go to nightclubs. <laughs> we did do that, but we just felt comfortable with each other. Um, and I would, and I'm not saying anybody go to nightclubs. That's not what I'm saying is, but um, if you feel comfortable, you know, in the crowd that you're in, um, just do things that you know you feel it's going to you're going to have fun with or whatever. And I'm not saying we had fun in the clubs, like, but it was just like, you know, we felt kind of safe in that environment with each other, supportive. Um, I again. The, the, well, not again, but the, the damage that I felt that I did to my brain, I, I it was like I constantly beat myself up internally about it. But I still had something, I believed. I still had something. There was people who were at university at the time, and they encouraged me. They encouraged me to, to just be the best me I could be, not just to play it safe and do the same things, even when I was not drinking alcohol. So I decided to go to college. I thought, there's nothing, there's nothing to lose here. Nothing to lose. So I went to college and I got my HND in social sciences. Um, uh, it was initially HND, uh, HNC and then HND. And that was an achievement. And then, then they said, um, why don't you go to university, Dave? Why don't you give that a try? And imagine me, a head buckled, mangled, fried, boiled, mashed, scrambled, you know, a year or so ago before I stopped drinking. To contemplate that was a big step. But I thought, well, again, you know, why not? Why not just give it a try? So I did that and ended up getting a degree in psychology. Now, I don't say that because I'm any egghead in any shape or form. And if it wasn't from people helping me on that journey, I probably wouldn't have got there. But that's what I did. I practiced a bit of interdependency. I practiced asking for people for help. And even today, if somebody wants my help, I think life's too short. I'll give you all the help that I can, you know, within my means and also setting boundaries. Uh, what, I'm kind of, what I like doing today is putting people onto the resources that's helped me since I've, you know, been sober. So anyway, that, that was really helpful. And, and then it got me into the, the line of work that I kind of wanted at the time. I'm not sure of today, but I got into social care work. And I managed to, well, I've, I've worked in a, an alcohol rehab. I've worked with a homeless and a really secure unit for young people that, you know, at the time it met my kind of so-called values, but, you know, it, it wasn't really helpful um, to my emotional mental health. Um, I've worked there and, and then I decided that's just, it's just not for me. But again, experiences, experiences sober. Um, I've been a fitness instructor since I've been sober. I don't, I don't share that, you know, very often. Oh, and what I forget, to admit, and I don't know why I do this, but I was in rehab for five months as well when I, when I first got sober. Um, 
my dad, he practiced a bit of tough love, and, and rightly so. Um, give me a give me an inch, I would have taken a mile. So he decided, you can stay with me for two weeks. This is when I first got sober. I decided to stay sober. But I know where I live. And so he says, you know, I'll put you up for two weeks, and that's it. And I kind of knew it in his tone and his manner. But somebody um, drove me home from a meeting, and he, and he was actually the, the owner of a, a rehab. About, it must have been about seven, ten miles outside from where I stay. So I was in there for five months, and it helped me to be in the close confines of people that I'd never been before. But to be honest, I was really glad to get out, to say the least. <laughs> I was like getting out of prison. Um, not that you were really confined or whatever, but I was like, yeah, thankfully. But I managed to get a, a flat you know, since then. And strangely enough, I'm actually in that same flat that I've had. It just takes all the boxes. It takes all the boxes, you know, for me. Um, so, uh, you know, I was, it's funny, somebody pointed it out to me. I'm maybe jumping about here. It's okay. Somebody pointed it out to me when I was, um, actually, it was a good friend. Um, some some people might know on here that I, I kept fighting more than others. And he said that you still have a tendency, you're really a passionate guy, but I still have a tendency to put the blocks on things, to put the block on. But I'll tell you what, see, when I first got sober, it was like, again, I would start to say something and then straight away that inner critic would be like, that's enough, Dave, because you might be shamed or you might be humiliated or embarrassed. Um, and I, it was really just playing it safe and it wasn't really helpful for me. So... I need to keep it that little thing, but I'm a lot, lot better than I was, you know, of um, just letting things, you know, flow out from it. Um, so going back to what I've done, um, I get after that there, I went a few, after a few years, I went to another university and I got another degree. And, uh, and that was, um, that helped me as well um, for the CV. Um, since I've been, since I've been my life without, alcohol, I've really treated it as, you know, you only get one life, do you? Well, I actually don't know if you get one life, but I'm presuming we only get one life. <laughs> I'm presuming that. And it, it really isn't addressed to help over someone else. So with that, I've decided to probably just make the most of things. And again, follow the principle of the things that I'm afraid of. If there's enough, what the hell could you call it? If there's enough, um, Risks are mitigated and managed, you know, and I look at that, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I've, um, I've been dancing 20 years and I absolutely love it. I know I love dancing. Um, I love dancing. You know, I've been dancing Argentine tango for the last 10 years. Um, a lot of it, to be honest, a lot of it is superficial and it's not easy for, for anybody who's dancing that to not get hooked into the, how do you look? You know, <laughs> How do you look? Um, and all that. But if again, if I let myself go and really embrace, excuse the dancing tagging tango pun, and if I really embrace the moment, the moments, it doesn't matter how I look. I'm actually enjoying the moment. You know, I'm really enjoying the moment. And I have had really many memorable moments uh, dancing. Um I've jumped out of planes three times. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
can't remember what the the one you know where you tie it when you hook it onto the plane. Uh, it's the middle one. It's near the tandem. It's near the like you know you're pulling the cord yourself. But that's, that was an experience. Um, the last one, the third jump, it didn't go too well. I ended up in hospital. But that's a story in itself. <laughs> I'm here to tell the story. Um, exercise is, is such a, a powerful thing for me. Uh, and, and it probably goes against what probably what I want to do. I'm never going to get it right all the time. And sometimes I get myself exhausted and I push myself too much. But for me, exercise is, is helpful because it helps me to release energies that are probably stored up um, inside myself that will lead me to probably being passive and just static. So I like the idea. Um, I like the idea of exercise and really help being helpful because I like I like the wordplay of ener- emotions are energy and motion. And um, my soul or something, my spirit, I'm comfy with that language. Something within me intuitively saying, okay, Dave, where are you going to move now? Do you need to move? Do you need to be still? Or do you need to move? Um, and I think it takes courage, I think, to move in whatever particular area that I, you know, I need to move in. Um, so I've done like half marathons. I've done triathlons, many ones, many ones, you know. I've done a Spartan a few years ago. And my back's not been the best this past year. So swimming's been my thing. Um, and... And I really believe in the um, the power of discipline. If I want to get something or get better at anything, it, it really isn't. This is just what I found in my experience. It really isn't going to happen if I wait for it to happen or if I magically think, think it to happen. It's probably a mixture of believing I can do it, but also putting in the appropriate steps to do it. I um a couple of years ago I started well three years ago I started the outdoor swimming, and I was looking at others and I, and I thought, "Fuck, they're able to swim really well," and it was quite I wouldn't say humiliating, but it was like, "Cheapers," and, and I thought I could swim and I really couldn't swim at all. I could swim, but I really couldn't swim as well as others. So. And I wanted more than just going into the water. And that's that's the benefits, but I wanted to be able to swim. So since then, I've went to uh, lessons in an artificial pool. I went to group lessons. And recently, I've been doing one-on-ones in the, in the sea with somebody. Really helpful. But I think what I've learned from that is there's resources out there for me to, to get better at anything. So uh, with that, if I can tap into them, I'm going to get better at a particular thing because that person's more experienced than that yeah it's a bit it's, I think it's a bit like a, the analogy a metaphor of a sponsor you know and a mentor you know um that power is there to help me if i access it you know if i want to so the the, the happy story or if anybody's one story I don't care it's happy for me is that uh recently this last couple of weeks i've managed to swim distances that i never thought i'd be able to do before I couldn't swim 100 metres um, two years ago, and now I'm swimming like a mile. I managed to swim a mile front crawl without stopping. Um, but I tell you, the main things that I found as well with that is the breathing. Breathing is such a powerful thing in life. Um, 
So the breathing, exhaling when I'm going on the water, if anybody's looking to improve the water, elder swimming, I probably aren't. <laughs> um, and the technique as well, that's been really helpful. Um, I've just finished a term of being the president of a local Toastmasters public speaking club. And that's one of the things that I never ever thought I'd be able to do. Public speaking. <laughs> because I was acutely shy. I look at shyness in the sense today that I didn't put myself forward. I shied away from things. Um, people can interpret that and use it any way they want, but that's the that's the way that I quite like to use that word, shyness. Um, and that's just something that I've still got to apply today. Uh, it's, it's putting myself forward. Um, I hardly got. I, I was. I hardly got into any relationships because I was so acutely shy, and there was that probably that intimacy and trauma and all that. Um, and you know, you know, today um, I still need to value myself as a as a as a human being who wants to connect on an intimate level with. For me, the opposite sex, um, and the only way that's going to work for myself is yeah, volume myself inside, and I do, I do. But the thing that I need to do is to practice it, practice it. You know, getting the words out that I want to get out. You know, um, making the small talk, and you know, fancy going for a coffee, fancy, you know, fancy doing this. Um, not just saying nothing and hoping that magically something will connect with the nothingness. It's not going to happen, Dave. It's not going to happen. So, um, you know, I've I've done the, you know, I've done the the sponsor bit, you know, and I've been a sponsor, and that's fine. I absolutely, I'd, I'd say anybody that the steps are really, um, I think they're powerful. The principles behind the steps, but even applying them in anyone's life, you know. But I would say is that if you're going to get a sponsor or somebody to help you, just discern or ask yourself, you know, are they going to are they of the empowering type? You know, are they going to listen to me? You know, are they going to give me? Do I trust them to give me the feedback that is is helpful? Going to be helpful to me because they know me rather than them being that, you know, dominant, authoritative, you know, saying something. And it's probably their control issues. So, um, yeah, because it was, it was like step six and seven. They used to baffle me because I thought, I don't know. But I think it's all about just knowing that uh, I'm still a, I'm still a, this might go kind of against some people's philosophy, but um, there's still places where I can improve myself. And I think it's been honest about where I can still improve myself and then actually putting that things into practice where I can improve myself. Um, even when I'm saying that, there's a couple of good friends, um, particularly one who says, Dave, you know, and I do agree with this as well. You are enough right now. You are absolutely enough, you know, right now. Right now you are. <laughs> so it's... See this recovery thing. Is it is it is it um is there a formula that's gonna get me um sober every day? I don't think so. I, I'm realizing that um that's what probably my um my ego always wanted. Um you're gonna have a good life all your life now, Dave. You know, so just and I think I've just got to do what I can every day to just deal with 
what's presented over there. And sometimes my mood, I need to, you know, sort that out, you know, rather than let myself go down that fucking rabbit hole straight away. Um, some days I get that feeling of, fuck, is this it? Jeebus. But you know, the good thing for me anyway now today is, even though my ego might be knocking at the door, Dave, you know, think about this, think about this. What I'm mindful of today is to not let it in. I don't let it in so much today. I don't get hooked into kind of conversations where before I'd be like internally really getting hooked into something and before I know it, I'm like, my head's like in a mess. Um, I'm aware today when my ego's chopping. And I just, most of the time, I don't give it that energy. Um, so as I say, I get days where I'm like, really? But what I don't do so much today hardly ever is sabotage my day before I used to before I used to get really hooked into feel, thinking I've got to really feel anxious about this and fucking you know anxiety used to be my, my companion and today more and more I'm realising it is okay to be peaceful with yourself Dave it is okay to be relaxed you know, somebody commented today that it was really were happy to see me relax, more relaxed in the Toastmasters meeting face to face. It's because I'm no longer the president. <laughs> that pressure's gone. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's strange. I quite like sharing today, you know, um, you know, because I kind of value the story that I've got. I value the journey and I value, you know, who I am most of the time. So um uh, don't know really what else I could share now how old um is apart from love music, make no secret about that. Love dancing to music. I love um I love singing sometimes in the shower, in the car. Um and I love sharing music as well. You know, um I absolutely love sharing music. Um and with that, yeah, hopefully everybody goes to the music hour, which I'm not doing tonight. I'm just wanting a break from it. Um, Rue is, I know, <laughs> Rue is doing the, the music night tonight. Uh, I just felt I need a break. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure about the mum stuff. Um, my mum's been, I've shared about the stuff about a year ago, how she was having falls and now she's in a care home. I question how much I feel the love for it a day, whereas I felt I felt really abandoned and um, neglected from her. And the tables have turned today. Um, I just love her so much. I just want everything in her last days to be as comfortable and as pleasurable as they can be for her. Um, there are little things today, um, you know, I wonder, okay, but I just, uh, yeah, I just love being there. For her, there's a loon. As they say here in Scotland, a loon, which means a boy or a guy, the <laughs> son. And with that, um, yeah, that's, uh, I'm just going to hopefully just naturally let that end uh, in a conclusion there. <laughs> Cheers, Hello. Thanks. Leave it there.